0: James chapter 1 verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive the meekness us receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, what a blessing it is, Lord, to be gathered here this morning, Lord, with uh, your people and uh, to be singing these beautiful hymns and these beautiful praises to you and uh, we're thankful it is a privilege lord help us never to forget that help us never to forget that it is a privilege and uh, lord we're so grateful for all things that we have in christ lord all those uh, beautiful spiritual blessings that were bestowed upon christ before the foundation of the world that we get uh, to experience through faith Uh, lord we're thankful for our eternal destination Uh, heaven heavenly father what a Blessing that is, Lord. So as we look into your word this morning, help us to be tentative to hear and see what you have for us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The biggest temptation uh, that we have, uh, or one of the biggest temptations that we'll ever face uh, as believers is the temptation to worldly lusts and those things of this world that we see around us. What we have here in this passage in the book of James is a blessing from the Lord to those who endureth through worldly temptations. Those that say when temptations come to them, like the Psalmist in Psalm 101 verse three, he says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me to endure something means that whatever it is, whatever you've got to endure it's going to keep coming at you and it's going to wear you down that's what its purpose is. The world's lust and uh, the evil that is in the world is relentless it's relentless in its pursuit to take down anyone that's going to give in to its enticing pull and as Christians we're not immune to that we're not immune to it, we're not we're not immune to the enticements of this world that's why we have passages uh, like this in the Bible that say do not err do not err my beloved brethren because the temptation is to err the temptation is to err into those worldly lusts and temptations there are plenty of good wholesome things in this world uh, that God gives us The Bible says there in the passage every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And uh, we need to be able to discern as believers what the difference is. That's something we need to discern because there are too many people blaming God these days for all their woes. They're blaming God for them. The Bible clearly says and we see it there in verse 13 let no man say when he is tempted I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. There is no variableness, neither shadow of turning with God. There is not. Variable simply means uh, fickleness. See God is not fickle when it comes to this. He can be trusted. The Lord can be trusted. He he can't be tempted with evil and he's not going to tempt any man with evil that's what the Bible clearly says here 1 John 2:16 says for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world God doesn't want any of those things for his people any of them he doesn't want that's not his desire he didn't purpose these things ever It's inconceivable to think that he would tempt anybody with those things, let alone those that are saved. See, God doesn't want uh, any of those things to come to the people that love him. Verse 18 of James chapter 1 says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures, So it was always God's plan for the believer to have and live for God's truth. That was always his plan. I like what Albert Barnes says about this verse. He says, those who were were addressed by the Apostles had the honour of being first called into his kingdom as a part of that glorious harvest which was designed to gather in this world and that the goodness of God was manifest in thus furnishing the first fruits of a most glorious harvest. That's true. Verse 19 says Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So what's that? Swift to hear what? Well, swift to hear the word of truth. You know, that's what God uh, has got has got for us to do. He wants us to be swift to hear the word of truth. The word of truth uh, is right here in our Bibles, that's where you find it. Slow to speak, that's not uh, shooting off at the mouth, uh, that's uh, you know shooting out something from your mouth without, without even thinking about it. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. Be careful with your tongue. It is actually James uh, in the book of James that tells us in James 3.6 he says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. They're pretty uh, harsh words there but that's a good description of how our tongue can be. James also says about the, the tongue in James 3, 9-10, <coughs> to 10, he says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the simil- simil- similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Look at this, he says, My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Ought not to be. Verse 19 of James, it also says, Be slow to wrath. Be slow to wrath. Why? Because verse 20 says that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, God wants us to lay aside all these enticing attitudes and and worldly actions. He wants us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we are not like the world we can. From verse 23 uh, the one that is just a hearer only and not a doer is described like one that uh, takes a look at himself in a mirror and then immediately uh, walks away and forgets what he looks like. But a doer is described as one that looks into the perfect law of liberty. And I like that description of the Word of God because It truly is the the law of liberty. It is. It liberates you from the bondage of worldly lusts that war against your soul. That's what it does. It liberates you from that. Don't let anybody fool you into believing that it liberates you from living for the Lord to live like the world. It doesn't do that. But that's to the one that continues therein. The one that continues therein. He cherishes uh, what is uh, looking at in the Word of god it 's a continued look at the Word of God to guide you through this life. It says that this man will be blessed indeed Amen. he will be blessed because practically there 's no better path to be on than the path that God has for us. Amen. We need to be swift swift we 've got to be real quick at this to hear the word of God. We've got to patiently continue in it. That takes patience. Be slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Because we live in a world today uh, that is for the most part very impatient. That's the kind of world we live in. Now as much as uh, technology has been a blessing it it has also caused everybody to be very impatient. You only have to go somewhere like uh, McDonald's to see it in action. People ordering food, and you know they want it almost instantly. You know, where's my food? I just ordered it. And that's what they do. You know, it's not coming to you. It's not coming. And you know, you see them starting to pace up and down. You know, it's been a a minute, and uh, starting to look at their watch. You know, and then it's almost been four minutes, and starting to get agitated. You know it finally comes after five minutes instead of three and sometimes people just erupt in McDonald's and then you've got this poor girl, 14 year old girl who's working who just cops all their aggression just because their food took five minutes instead of three. I've seen it even at petrol stations you know a person filling up their car with petrol and someone else pulling up behind them waiting for their turn you know, the person fills up the tank, you know, walks inside to pay you know, and then they use the teller machine to get some money out and they you know, stop at the chip rack, maybe just get a quick packet of chips and go past the drink fridge on the way and get a drink and then by then there's a couple of people that are lined up, they're standing behind them, they finally get there, pay for their petrol, they walk back out and the person behind them is you know, looking at their watch and they're erupting absolutely erupting. They're not thankful that if they didn't have a car, it would have taken two days to travel that same distance. They're not thankful for that, if they didn't have roads and cars. This is the, the attitude that we're, of the, the day that we're living in. Unthankful people. You know, they are people losing the plot on roads, in road rage incidents, simply because they are not patient. They don't even consider that That they've got a road to drive on and a car. And it's getting worse. You would think that the better the technology, the more grateful people would become, wouldn't you? But it's almost the opposite, or has the opposite effect. The better the technology, the more impatient people become. The internet is never fast enough for people. Information is never fast enough cars are never fast enough, fast food is never fast enough. With all the technology we have, suicides are on the rise in the most uh, techno-advanced countries. It seems the more technology, the more impatient people become. There's more access to other people to compare themselves with. It's at people's fingertips now. You know, it's 24 hours a day if they want it, to look at other people. Social media has bred the most unsocial generation of people that has ever lived. Teenagers and even adults today, as it appears, seem to spend more time on social media looking at people that they don't even have a social relationship with. But I reckon what you don't see for the most part on social media is all the struggles that people are going through. So it's very deceiving in that sense. See modern technology can be good even like social media if used correctly and it's just something that doesn't consume you. But when these things become consuming like uh, it is today for a lot of people uh, with things like uh, Instagram, I mean the name says it all Insta, instant, Instagram. You know people scrolling and scrolling looking at people instantly putting up picture after picture. That's what it is. As if even life is like that. Life's nothing like that. All it seems to breed is discontentment and impatience. Because people think, I, I want a life like that. Look at this. Look at this person's life. That's how, oh, I want this. I want that. But for the most part, it's all delusional. But people get depressed because they get sucked into this, this delusion. See, life without God and salvation through Jesus Christ and seeing his perspective on things will only lead to a life of discontentment, impatience and even delusion. You know, Someone might object to that and say, oh, how can you say that about me? Or how can you say that, that about me? Oh, I don't believe in God and, and I, I don't trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and I'm content. I'm content with my life, they might say. Now, I don't believe in God and I'm a patient person, they might say. Well, that might be true for that person. That's why I say for the most part. But for everyone, everyone that rejects Jesus Christ, the inescapable one is that they are deluded in that they think that there is no God or any need of salvation through Jesus Christ. They are deluded in thinking that everything, happened, that, everything that happens in this life is all there is that's a delusion. So you can be patient and content and yet still in a delusion. Psalm 53.1 says the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. Corrupt are they that have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Everybody has sinned. Everybody needs a saviour. This is why we need Jesus Christ because there is none that doeth good. Someone might say, hey, I'm a good person. How can you say that? But how good? How good? Not to the standard where it would merit salvation or would ever measure up to our Saviour Jesus Christ. Up to the goodness of God. No one's that good. And until people realise that and come to Christ, they're going to remain in a delusion. The Bible tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. Even though we live in a day uh, where things seem to be getting worse and they probably are but in every generation there has been the same problem. Every generation. Impatience and discontentment and rejection of the Lord has always been around. It's always been around. Vain and empty living without the Lord has been around a long, long time. And the wisest man that ever lived was King Solomon. And he wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. <coughs> he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 to 10, he says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labour which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continuously, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full unto the place from whence the rivers come thither they return again. All things are full of labour. Man cannot utter it, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done, is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. So as a Christian, living in this world and seeing the way things are going and thinking, what, what can I do? What should I do? Well, there's no new thing under the sun. And we can go back in the word of God and see what true people of the Lord did in these situations. How they uh, reacted to this uh, World that we live in in in, in their day because there's nothing new, it's all it's all the same, it's all the same. So turn in your Bibles and we're going to look at the Old Testament to One Kings. Chapter fifteen. So the same thing was happening back in Asa's day. So Asa was a king, and we're going to learn some things from Asa. The Bible says in Romans 15, four to five, while you're turning there, it says, for for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. See, Asa, uh, he was a king in Judah, the nation of Israel, Uh, was split into two at this stage of their history with Judah in the south and you had Israel in the north. And both Judah and Israel had been living pretty much uh, in worldly lusts, no different than the nations uh, that were around them. And uh, this is when Asa began to reign. (coughs) But Look at verse 9 of uh, chapter 15, 1 Kings. and in the 20th year of Jeroboam king of Israel reigned Asa over Judah and 41 years reigned he in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Machah, the daughter of Abishalom look at this and Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord as did David his father so when it says here that uh, David was his father David was his great 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 grandfather. You know, his immediate father was Abijah, who was uh, king before Asa. So, grandfathers are also referred to as father, uh, both his father Ab- Ab- Abijah and his grandfather Rehoboam, also. Um, but they were not true worshippers, of, uh, true, true worshippers of, of God, as was David, his great, 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 great grandfather. But what Asa had Uh, But what Asa had, this is what you've got to understand, what Asa had was the revelation of his great-great-great-grandfather, David. And uh, he saw the way he walked with the Lord, and that's, that's the way he wanted to walk. Something happened for Asa. Verse 12, and it says, And he took away the sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. See, there's nothing new under the sun. It is a sad day when the people of God start to accept sodomites. And they accept them into their midst. midst. I mean, we need to evangelize sodomites. They need to be saved. They need to uh, get saved and put those things away. But to invite them into, into your midst as if everything is okay... That's a sad day. And that's where Israel and Judah were at the time when Asa began to reign, in Judah. But look at this, he also ripped down all the idols that his father had made. He ripped them down. So we need more Asas in our day. Verse 13, and also Maka, his mother, even her he removed from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa destroyed her idol and burnt it by the the brook Kidron. So it didn't matter to Asa whether it was family or not. He had a heart for the Lord and he wasn't going to compromise. He pulled down his mother's idol and even removed her from being queen. Verse 14, but the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. And he brought in, look at this, the things which his father had dedicated. That's his great, great, great grandfather was talking about here, David. And the things which himself had dedicated into the house of the Lord, silver and gold and vessels. These are all the things that David had brought in uh, for the temple of God. I mean, why, why were they ever pulled out that's what you've got to ask why were they ever pulled out but that's how it happens little by little one generation to the next slowly things are removed from the house of the Lord and then the next thing you know it's just a show but in reality they are steeped in idolatry no different than the nations around them there's nothing new under the sun even to the point where Sodomites are accepted into their midst. This is where Israel and Judah had arrived. Verse 16, And there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. Basha, uh, he was now king in uh, the northern kingdom. Verse 17, And Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might not suffer any to go out or to come into Asa, king of Judah. So we're going to look uh, shortly as to why that is, why he built in Ramah this city, and uh, as to why people were leaving Israel and going to Judah. We'll have a look at that in a moment. But first we'll turn over to the parallel passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. So Abijah slept with his fathers, so this was Asa's immediate father, and they buried him in the city of David and Asa his son reigned in his stead. and in his days the land was quiet ten years and Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God for he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and brake down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment so he had the law and the commandment It was always there. It was always there. But you've got a choice to make. See, his father and his grandfather didn't think much of the law of God. David, his great-great-great-great-grandfather, he thought much of the law of God. And all of a sudden you've got Asa and he wants to do the things of the law of God again. verse 4 and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment also he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images and the kingdom was quiet before him and he built fenced cities in Judah for the land had rest and he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest therefore he said unto Judah let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the, while the land is yet before us before we have sought the Lord our God because we have sought the Lord our God we have sought him and he hath given us rest on every side so they built and prospered see that's what happens when you seek the Lord and do his will and become a doer of his word and not a hearer only It liberates you. It gives you rest on every side. Those things that war against your soul will start to disappear. If you build upon the word of God as your foundation, then you will have rest on every side and prosper over the worldly lusts and evil that tempt us on every side. That's what will happen. Those uh, lustful uh, ways of the world will stop attacking you. If you be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, if you get your, if you get your head in this book and, and love the words of this book and keep to the words of this book and live out the words of this book, those temptations will start to leave you. Look at verse eight. Anasa had an army of men that bare targets and spears, and out of uh, and out of Judah, three hundred thousand, and out of Benjamin, that bare shields and drew bows, two hundred and fourscore thousand. All these were mighty men of valor, <coughs> and they came out against them, Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand, thousand and three hundred chariots and came to Marashah. So if my math is correct, they were outnumbered about two to one. About two to one. They're around about double the number of the men of Ethiopians and that's not to mention all the chariots and extra things that they had. Look at this, verse 10. Then Asa went out against them and they set the battle in array in the valley of uh, Zephatha at Marasha. But look at this, look at this, verse 11. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. In thy name we go out against this multitude. Look what he says here. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. Asa didn't pray, let not man prevail against me. He says, against thee. He didn't take this attack personally. He knew he was in the will of God. And any attacks of the enemy were really just attacks on his Lord, on his God. He knew through prayer and going forth in the name of the Lord while doing the Lord's will that the Lord would give him victory over the enemy. Verse 12. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah and the Ethiopians fled and Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar and the Ethiopians were overthrown. That they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities round about Jerah, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of the cattle uh, the tents of cattle, and carried away sheep and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. <coughs> now I want you to look at uh, the word of encouragement and also the, the warning here that the Lord has uh, for Asa. Look at 2 Chronicles 15, 1-9. to And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and he said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Look at this. The Lord is with you, while ye be with him and if ye seek him he will be found of you look at this but if you forsake him he will forsake you see this is a little reminder that the Lord has conditions even for his people how many people have forsaken the Lord and his ways and yet carry on as if the Lord is with them as Israel and Judah had been doing before Asa came along all the idols and acceptance of all the abominations of the nations around them yet still thinking that the Lord is with them. The Lord was not with them. Look at verse 3. Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. It says there, you see that, without the true God. They had something that maybe resembled the true God but it wasn't the true God. They still had priests, but they couldn't teach you anything. They had the law, but they weren't doing those things. Not until Asa came along and made some big changes. See, that's all the Lord wants. He wants people to turn back to him. If you forsake the Lord, you'll end up in trouble. Because he's going to let you have your own way. But look at verse 4. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. See, until Asa came along, Israel and Judah were in the same predicament as all the nations around them. They're in the same predicament. Verse 5 And in those times there was no peace to him that went out nor to him that came in but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city for God did vex them with all adversity. See God is not a respecter of persons. He will be with those that don't forsake him but he will also forsake those that forsake him. And there's always room for restoration to those that truly come back to the Lord. There's always room. Look at this. So he says there to Asa, verse 7, Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, look at this, he took courage and he put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord." That was before the porch of the Lord. (coughs) Now here's the reason that the northern kingdom under King Bashar got really upset. Now this this is why they got really upset. Verse 9 And he, that's Asa, gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. Look at this. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So you still had uh, people even in the northern kingdom with a bit of conviction about them you know they could see what was happening down there in Judah and how that they had turned back to the Lord and they've said well we've had a gutful of this I'm going to Judah but when that happens you're going to upset some people when that happens you're going to get some people upset you'll upset those ones that think that what is happening in Judah is too much. They think it's too much because they still love their idolatry. They think it's too much because they want to, uh, because, you know, those people down there want to make a stand for the Lord. But that's just too much for some people. They, they're enjoying their idolatry. They're enjoying, uh, you know, the lustful things, of the world around them, the acceptance of sodomites and these kinds of things. So they get angry. Especially when they start losing supporters. Because it says there, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord God was with him. But look at chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. In the sixth and uh, verse 1, 2 Chronicles 16, verse (coughs) 1. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Basha, uh, sorry, reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. So Basha, he builds this city in Ramah, down near the border so he can try and stop people leaving. It becomes nothing but a hindrance to the people that just want to get right with the Lord. There's nothing new under the sun. We see this happening. We see it happening this day and age when somebody, you know, they want to leave a lukewarm group of believers and get right with the Lord. All they do is cop persecution for it. but now we're going to learn something from Asa we're going to learn something else from Asa see something has happened something's happened all of a sudden he's forgotten how the Lord helped him all of a sudden he's forgotten the words of the prophet Azariah I don't know what happened maybe he slackened off because he had peace many years and he wasn't continuing in the word of the Lord. Whatever happened, he had lost his patience in waiting and relying upon the Lord. See, the last time something like this happened that we're going to look at, the first thing he did was cry unto the Lord for help. You know, maybe this thing that's about to happen, he took personally. This time he would take care of it in his own strength. Maybe he was thinking that. But look what he does in verse 2. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasure of the house of the Lord. out of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria that dwelt at Damascus, saying, there is a league between me and thee as there was between my father and thy father. (coughs) Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go break thy league with Bashar, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. So all of a sudden, instead of relying on the Lord, as he did in the past, he sent word to Ben-Hadad king of Syria to rely on him. And he compromised to do it. And he made a league with an unrighteous nation who were really against the Lord anyway. And the only reason they were not a, a, even attacking Judah <coughs> excuse me, at this stage was because the Lord was protecting them. He even used the silver and gold that he'd brought back to the house of the Lord to pay him off. When you stop relying on the Lord and get away from his word and become a hearer only and not a doer, something's always going to give. Something's going to give. Little by little. This is probably how it started the first time with his father and his great-grandfather a little here and a little there, a little compromise, until there's nothing left in the house of God. Look at verse 4. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the city of Israel. And they smote Ijon and Dan and abel Maim and all the store cities of Nephtali, And it came to pass when Basha heard it, that he left building of Ramah and, and let his work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof wherewith Bashar was building and he built therewith Geba and Mizpah. And at that time Hananiah the seer look at this, and at that time Hananiah the seer <coughs> came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Assyria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims are huge hosts with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. See sadly that's what happens when you start to compromise. All those things that war against your soul will start to, start to return. All those things that you've gotten victory over by the strength of the Lord are going to start attacking you again. And then comes the frustration, the blame game, the anger, taking it out on everybody else that's around you. Verse 10, Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house for he was in a rage with him because of this thing and Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time See, we can learn a lot from Asa none of us are immune to what happened to Asa when he was seeking the Lord and was a doer of his word the Lord was with him When he decided to forsake the counsel of the Lord to do things his own way, he lost that sweet fellowship and protection of the Lord. Verse 11, And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel, and Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. So even after all this, Asa had not learned his lesson. Even with this physical ailment, instead of bringing it to the Lord, he trusted wholly on these physicians. See, there's nothing wrong with physicians, by the way. See, Luke, who wrote the gospel and also the book of Acts, he was a physician. A good physician can be a gift from God. But for the one who trusts the Lord, they pray that God will guide the physician's minds and the physician's hands and bring the right physician along. The Lord doesn't need physicians, but he can also use physicians. Physicians every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We saw that in James 1 verse 17. Look at verse 13. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. And they buried him in his own sepulchres which he had made for (coughs) for himself in the city of David and laid him in the bed, which was filled with sweet odours and diverse kinds of spices prepared by the apothecaries art, and they made a very great burning for him. Uh, Apothecaries here simply means the people whose job it is to prepare the spices for burial, and uh, the burning here is the burning of incense, as the custom was, not uh, the pagan burning of the body as the pagan nations did. Uh, The custom was to burn incense. So Asa, he was one of the better kings in the history of Israel. Unfortunately, toward the end of his life, he made things a lot harder for himself than they needed to be. But I thank the Lord that this is all written down for our learning. So we can see that we need to continue in the word of God and we need to continue to be doers of his word and not hearers only. We need to stick close to the Lord and rely upon him in all that we do and not compromise with the world and its ungodly pleasures and lust. James 1 22 to 25 says but be ye doers of the word not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straight away forgetteth what manner of man he was. But look at this. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's pray.